Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome, April Dunford. You get the song. A quick hello, we're good to go. <laughs> welcome to the show, April Dunford. Yay. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> and there's a guest who didn't know that was going to happen. Great. Brilliant stuff. That's, it's, it's been great. a long time is, since the I... The show has been amazing so far. Brilliant stuff. Well, I, I, love, I love it when the song surprises people. Well, April, welcome to you. We're going to talk today, and I've got a little banner prepared for that. Uh, there you go. Kelly Cube Tuesdays with April Dunford, How to Know Product Positioning. This is going to be absolutely awesome. Um, I'm going to start off, I usually start off with people's knowledge panels and brand certs. Now, there you go. I've just covered your face up, which is very rude of me. Um, but this is your brand cert, which is actually pretty good. It's um, so bizarre. Like I, I always, I always look at this and I look at people also search for, and I'm like, Rand Fishkin, that's good. Jay Bear, that's good. But then I'm like, Gary Vaynerchuk, really? Right. <laughs> yes. But well, then it, I think, you know what? Maybe just everybody searches for Gary Vaynerchuk. No, well, in fact, it says people also search for, but I figured out very early on it's not. It's entities that are related to you in the knowledge graph because I figured this out all on my little own because. Oh People also search for in mine used to be my sister and my mother. And my mother in particular, nobody knows she's my mother. She doesn't have the same name or anything. So people would never search for her and for me in the same breath. And my sister is a film director. Nobody would ever search for her. So oh. what it actually is, is Google pulling up entities that it knows are related. Oh. Um, so don't 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 imagine that people are actually searching for these people in the same breath. Well, as I still don't know why Gary Vaynerchuk comes up there, but okay, I'll take it. Like, he does why? he does pop up a lot in 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 marketing kind of people's brand sets. Anyway, your brand set <laughs> is pretty good because uh, you actually own the top two spots with your own site, April. Mm -hmm. uh, Dunford.com. Uh, your yeah. your company isn't up there, which is quite surprising, but. Obviously, not a big problem. Um, well, it's I because thought, I, I have deliberately not invested in branding the company apart from myself. So that so the company has a legal name, but I don't want anybody to know what it is. Like the brand is me, and so that's why the you know you are lucky. I didn't prepare a big slide with your company name on it. Then isn't it? True. <laughs> it's fine if you do, but but I clicked on the book, which has a, a delightful title. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. awesome, and uh, that's got a great place in the knowledge graph. And look down at the bottom. Somebody's given it a review. I wonder who that was. Oh, it's me. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. It, 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 <laughs> I. I believe in you, April. I've never read <laughs> the book. Great. But what I did actually do is uh, watch a talk. But before that, in fact, sorry, quickly, uh, I created a little knowledge panel for this event. So we are now in the knowledge graph together. Great. And to prove it, this is the knowledge graph. And if you type in Jason Barnard, April Dunford, it actually sees that we're together in this event. So we are now, like it or not, associated forever in Google. Mind. Great. Fantastic. Um, so back to the book, that's what we're talking about. In fact, what I did is for once in my life, I went out and I found one of your presentations and it starts with the definition of positioning. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me what the definition is, all that's written on the screen, and we'll move on from there. Yeah, but it's important because positioning is really, really misunderstood. Like most folks, like if I, I say positioning, they'll say, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. And I'll say, fine, define it. And 
you know, even if I had a dozen vice presidents of marketing together in a room, I would get a dozen different definitions. So even though positioning is not a new concept, it is a fairly misunderstood one. So right. I have my own definition. And so my definition is positioning defines how your product is uniquely qualified to deliver some value that a well-defined set of customers cares a lot about. It's a mouthful, but it's because positioning is made up of a bunch of different component pieces. And yeah, so as, if you're going to define as, it, you got to hit all of those. Yeah, no, sure. I'm just saying, as you can see, I took that from one of your talks, and I actually went through the talk. It's only a five-minute talk, so I obviously didn't spend enormous amounts of time here. But uh, that is a bit of a mouthful. And when I heard it, when I heard you say it, I was going, I don't understand that phrase. Can you say it again? Yeah, I'll say it again. Yeah. So it's it's positioning defines how your product is the best in the world at providing something or some value that a well-defined set of customers cares a lot about. Now I've heard it for about the fifth or sixth time. I've got it. That's in my brain. Uh, I now know what positioning is, and I've, I'm beginning to realize where I might have gone wrong. <laughs> and the, the next point that struck me was this, which is the difference between marketing and positioning. I love the image, but can you explain it to me? Yeah, so the idea is that, um, you know, a lot of people confuse positioning with other things. So they'll say, oh, yeah, I know what positioning is. It's just like messaging or it's like branding or it's like a tagline. And I'm like, no, you know, all of those things flow from positioning, but positioning has to come first. Like, in fact, everything I do in marketing and sales kind of uses positioning as a fundamental input. So if I think of marketing and sales as the house, positioning is the foundation upon which the house is built. So think about it this way. If let's say I pick your marketing thing I want to do, I'm going to go run an email campaign. Well, right. Okay. Who's the email for? And what are we going to say? And, uh, you know, if I say we're going to build some content, well, who exactly is on the receiving end of this content? And we're trying to convince them to buy stuff like who do we compete with and how do we beat them? Like, I need to know all these piece parts of positioning before I can do anything. Same thing with sales programs. It's like, okay, let's do an outbound sales calling program. Okay, well, which companies are we going to pick and why? And right. I don't know the answer to these things until I understand my positioning first. And that choice of house picture is brilliant because you can actually see the foundations, which is uh, <laughs> really smart of you. I'm, 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 I'm in awe of your choice of images. But what strikes me is me first in line, uh, I think, right, I'm going to create this great piece of content. Here we go. My clients do this all the time. They go, oh, I'm going to write this wonderful blog article about this great video. And they make it because they think it might be interesting. Well, they think it's interesting for themselves. Right. They haven't positioned themselves except for themselves. Is, is exactly. that incredibly common? I mean, do people just do that all the time? Saying, oh, I'll create something that I like. It's super, super common. In fact, most of the time, we don't, we don't think about positioning as a concrete step in this process. So we hmm. kind of run with this, what I would call a sort of default positioning. So... And oh. that default positioning usually comes from historical reasons. Like, you know, the, the, the original person that invented the product said, hey, I want to make better email and I've invented this thing and it's email. But you fast forward a few years and, you know, you've added features, you've taken things away, the, the, the market for email is changing, there's new competitors, different, different companies are in there doing different things. And you fast forward a couple of years and all of a sudden your email seems a bit like chat. 
<laughs> right, and yeah, you but, don't but, see that because you're looking at it the way you've always looked at it. But a person seeing your product for the first time is kind of like, you're saying that's sure. email, but I'm not seeing the email thing here. And you're talking about it in this way that doesn't exactly jive with what a new customer would see. Which, which comes to the point is kind of, we start off our companies. I mean, I'll use Rand Fishkin from Moz because that's how we actually met as he introduced us. Uh, he created Moz with a particular uh, position. And over the years, that position has changed. So his house foundations have moved. And if you don't move your house with it, it falls over. How's that sound? That's it's exactly it. But and it's natural, right? Like our products, you know, we we keep adding things to them. We keep changing. And at the same time, the market itself is changing. And so, you know, things that made a lot of sense positioned in a certain way for certain customers, you fast forward a few years and it's like, well, we're selling to different customers and we're selling a slightly different thing. And all our competitors are different and the things that are differentiating have changed. And so the positioning is kind of a living, breathing thing that has to evolve over time to make sure that people still, the right people understand right. exactly the value of what it is that you're doing. Yeah, so my analogy with kind of moving the house around is wrong. It's in fact, you build extensions and knock other parts down and you need to keep moving your your, your foundation. No, is that not right? Yeah, that not yeah, no, that? that's it. That's it. And, until you've got this Frankenstein of a, you know. Yeah, like, like the Munster's house or something like that. Brilliant. The thing is, once I find an analogy, I will dig and dig and dig until I manage to make it work, whether it should yeah. work or not. Yeah, um, no. But that's brilliant because I hadn't really thought about that. I was thinking, right, okay, we position ourselves and then we go for it and that's the end of it. But in fact, it's a living, yeah. breathing thing that keeps moving. Uh, and we need how many times a year? Once a year, we need to take a step back and say, are we positioned right? Yeah, I, my recommendation is every six months because sometimes oh. stuff happens. Like we're seeing it right now with COVID where oh. you can have a big, big happening in the market that is outside of your control. It has nothing to do with software or anything else. But that event happens externally and it can really, really change the priorities of your customers. And so you might have customers that were in total growth mode pre-COVID that right now are in cash preservation mode. Um, you could have the opposite where you had customers that were going okay and now they're super, super growing quick because they're in e-commerce or they have something to do with- Or they make masks, much. yeah. Or they make masks or something. And so- um, you need to every six months or so check in and say, you know, what does the landscape look like now? And what was differentiating for us before? Is it still differentiating? And who's new on the competitive scene? And have customers' priorities shifted? And does our value still hit the same way it did six right. months ago? And I can then say a really awful buzzword. I can say agile, Kai. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> You're so kind to me. Right. The next screen sure. I saw on your presentation was components of positioning. Now, I can't actually read yeah. them because it's written really small. Can you can you just go through them quickly? Because because sure. uh, the next slide, I'll warn you, is the next slide in your set, which is them all lined up. So yeah. So so this is this is the kind of the nut of my positioning methodology. So for a long time, I wrestled with this idea of, okay, we get what positioning is, but how do we actually do it? And so... My way of reasoning through this started with, well, if we want to do positioning, what we should do is break it down into component pieces, solve for the component pieces, then we smash them together and voila, mm -hmm. great positioning. So 
breaking it apart into pieces isn't too hard. And the five pieces are the five things you see on this chart. So it starts with competitive alternatives. So um, how are the other ways that people solve the problem that your product solves? Oh, I remember, I remember one of those. It was interns, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So that's Sorry, we'll come to that in a moment. This is where people usually mess this up is it specifically doesn't say competitors because the competitive oh, yeah. alternative to what you do might be manpower or interns or use a spreadsheet, but competitive alternatives is one. Is that one then, of those things that you woke up at like three o'clock in the morning and you thought competitive alternatives, not competitors? <laughs> well, kind of, you know where this comes from? It, it, it comes a little bit from, uh, studying Clayton Christensen and jobs to be done. And so this yeah. is kind of a core tenant in jobs to be done is that, you know, you hire a product to do a particular job, but it's not often the job that we think of. And, and not all products, even though they're in the same market, necessarily do the same job. And so if we do some thinking about what's the job, then you would think about, well, what are the alternative ways to actually get that job done? And the alternative ways might be, you know, hire an intern to do it, or I'll just do it manually. It's not necessarily software. And in B2B software, most of the time, we're just replacing spreadsheets and other right. things. Like that. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. And oh, um, from my point of view, courses, I mean, what does that, that replaces spending loads of time searching online, going through all the fluff and the guff and the, and the rubbish videos and the rubbish content. And of course, we'd say, oh, here it is, concentrated, focused, go for it. It's exactly. going to save you loads of time. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, very good. Right. Sorry. What were they doing? So Sorry. once you have the, once you have, it's really important to get the competitive alternatives right because otherwise we don't know what it is we got to beat. So if we're just thinking about other things that look just like us, we might miss it. So I often get folks that come to me and they'll say, "Well, our main thing is ease of use." So our, you know, and that's because we compete with all these other little yeah. companies that are, you know, they, it takes them fourteen clicks to do a thing, but it only takes us one click. But then I say, "But look, like, who, like, do you ever lose a deal to any of these competitors?" And they'll say, "No, actually." And I'll say, "Well, who do you actually compete with then?" Like if if you didn't exist, what would customers do? And they'll say, oh, well, they just use an intern. And it's like, well, are you really going to be the intern on ease of use? Because <laughs> the intern's pretty easy to use. <laughs> yeah. and, so and, the, and the intern, you don't care about the cost. I mean, companies tend to say, it doesn't cost me anything, so I don't care if they spend all day with a spreadsheet. Well, and the intern and the intern does lots of things bad. Like the intern makes mistakes. The intern quits right. on you. The, like there's lots of ways that your software is better than the intern. But first, got to know you're competing with the intern. I, don't know. I have a client who, who changes interns every three or four months, and it's really frustrating um, <laughs> because you, you start everything from the beginning again. But they think it, it's a good investment of, uh, well, no money because they're free. But, in fact, I, I'm looking at this thing. You're actually paying me to retrain somebody every three months. Right. And that's costing you a fortune. Anyway, that's another question with interns, which has got nothing to do with the topic. Sorry. So that's the first thing, competitive alternatives. Once you know that, then you can say, okay, well, what have I got that they don't have? Feature function-wise, capabilities. What have okay. I got that the intern doesn't have? And then the next piece is value, which is so what for each of those features? So what is the value and why does that matter to customers? Right. Once I understand okay. that, then I can say, okay, well, if this is my value that I can deliver to customers, who cares a lot about that? So what customers should I be selling to? Because they actually really care a lot about the value that you can deliver. And then the hmm. last piece is market category, which 
that's probably the hardest one conceptually to figure out. But market category is a bit like saying, am I email or am I chat? And here's the thing about email and chat. 99% feature overlap. But if I say I'm email, then you're like, oh, well, you compete with Gmail and you need a calendar and you need a bunch of other stuff. But if I say I'm chat, well, now I don't compete with Gmail anymore and I don't care if I have a calendar or not. So market category is kind of like the context that you position your product in such that your value is obvious to your best fit customers. That's what market category is. So these five things together get you positioning. Right, okay. And and then we have them, well, it, it's not quite the same five or is it the same five in same order? Five. Same five, so here's the trick. If you actually go to do positioning, the first thing you realize when you break it apart to the five pieces is that the pieces all have a relationship to each other. Like you can't just pick one. And, and you have to do them in order. Yeah. Well, I've just realized what it means. Sorry. They're I'm not really independent. Speaking. So if I pick anything, like let's say value, the differentiated value that my product can deliver to customers is completely dependent on my features, my differentiated features. But my features are only differentiated if I compare them to a competitive alternative. So like, when you start looking at it, all these things depend on each other. You have to start at competitive alternatives. If you don't start there, what you end up with is positioning that sounds kind of good in the office, but it doesn't actually win in the market because it doesn't clearly distinguish you from the alternative ways of doing things. So you actually have to start with, who do I actually compete with? What do I got to displace here? Then you say, what do I have that they don't have? Then I map that to value. Once I've got that map to value, then I say, well, who cares about that value a lot and why? That's how I get my best fit customers. Right. And then once I've got that last one, I can say, okay, what is the market category I position this in such that this value is obvious to these folks? That's how you do it. Brilliant. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm actually going to go back and listen to this again tomorrow and I'm going to go through these steps one by one because well, I, can, I can already, I mean, I talk about my courses because I'm I'm trying to position them and I'm trying to figure out all of these things and it just makes sense that what you're saying. And I also realise that I've been dishonest with myself um, by wanting it to be something that it isn't. And I'm going to go back through and, and, and look at all well, this. I think uh, he is this first step of these of this, you know, what would folks do if you didn't exist? And so if you look back at the people that took your courses and loved, it, right, like the ones that were good fit, and you wish you had a pipeline full of those people lined up to take your course. If you go back and ask them, like, what did you do before? Like, what are the things you did to try and learn the same thing before? And then when you looked at my course, did you look at other things? Were there other alternatives when you actually decided, okay, now I'm going to do a course where there are other things? And those are the things you got to beat. Right. Once okay. Well, understand that, then you can work through the rest. Well, in fact, the course is how to manage this. It's how to manage your personal or your brand set. It's making sure that that information is positive, oh, accurate. So do I need this? I, you know, I've never managed my managed this. So, like, I'm looking at it going, well, is this well, good? Well, <laughs> no, yours is actually very good because uh, yours is very good. I'm going to cover your face up again. Because I'm going to tell you why. Can I tell you why this is good? And you don't want to do this this way. Go on. The reason this is good is because I am very, very old. And I have been doing this for a long time. And my footprint on the internet is deep and wide. That's why it's there. Right. Okay. Brilliant stuff. Right. And most of you don't have to, don't have 25 years to do this. (laughs) 
very good point. Well, and, and what I find, as you said, you've never managed it, and that's part of the problem is that people haven't thought about it. So I then I have to say, well, I think have about looked it. at it. I've oh, looked right. at it before for sure. So for sure, I've looked at it, and it's always been good. <laughs> so therefore, I haven't said. Oh, gee, I need to fix that. Yeah, so I can't position myself for you. I need to position myself to somebody who has a problem, which is where I didn't say it at the beginning. That's where I've been dishonest with myself, and I know it, is I have to position myself to people who have a problem, even though it's I don't want pe- I don't want to help people sort out a mess. But well, it that's where people be. are going to be coming from. Another one I'll throw out there is it could be people that are just starting out. And so they don't, they don't, again, like the reason mine looks good is because I've been doing this for 25 years and including writing a blog and whatever, like I had a footprint on the internet. Oh my goodness. It'd be hard for someone to try to rank against me for my own name, for heaven's sake. But and, and, and there is an there is an actress, sorry, with the same name as you, which usually makes brands up a little bit uh, ambiguous. But in fact, yours isn't. I mean, that that poor. I'm going to tell you even worse. So when I started, so you would have been a good person for me when I started. So when I started, there was another April Dunford, and she was a dog breeder. Oh, and every time she went and she showed these dogs at a dog sale, it's on the internet, and her name would be all over it. And so. When I started, you had to go through five pages of the dog lady, April Dunford, before you got to me. And so this was very annoying. Like when I first joined Twitter, the only people that followed me were all these dog people. And I was like, and I, and I felt like putting on my mind, I'm not the dog lady. I'm the other one. <laughs> and and then, and but I, you know, but I worked on it. Like I, you know, I had a blog. I was posting a lot of stuff online. And eventually... I beat the dog lady and then she was a lot older than me and, and she died. Oh no. <laughs> she did. It was really sad. One day I looked her up. It's and really I, sad. You're laughing. I know. But, it was like, but that, this was how I eventually really beat her was she's just gone and the, and, the, and stopped going to dog shows and then, and then she has gone. But yeah, oh, there's nice. this actress that popped up, but if she ever gets really famous, I'm in trouble. And so far, she's kind of low-key famous, and, and, and so am right. I. So we're both sort of low-key famous. <laughs> no, well, I mean, so in fact, you've you thought about this years. I mean, I started seven years ago is when I first thought about it. Before that, I hadn't really thought about it. So, in fact, I'm saying I'm a, a pioneer, but I'm not you as a pioneer. But let's get back to your t- – But you could be, like, thinking about your, your ideal fit customers, like – I go back and look because I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see some folks in there that are new, like they've just launched a business. They never Mm. worried about having a footprint on the internet before because they were just an employee. Like that was me, right? I was just an employee. I didn't worry if people could find me or not. But then at some point it was like, oh, people are going to have to find me. And oh, darn it. I got five pages of dog lady before you get to me. (laughs) So you could be that, you know, it's more people that are just starting out or people that are like, you know, it didn't matter. And now it does. Mm. And so they've got to figure out a way to get there faster and they don't want to do it my way, which is just be, you know, be alive for 25 years. <laughs> Stop on the internet. Most people want things to happen faster than that. Brilliant. Right. This is turning into a bit of a kind of um, coaching session for me. So yes. let's get back yeah. to your topic, which is <laughs> styles of positioning, which is, uh, yeah. I'm, I was looking at kind of at style, uh, Please explain that to me because I've got no idea what it says because it's too small. Right. So there's so so if you think about it, you're either positioning in an existing market 
Or you can create a new market and then position in there. And, and the vast majority of folks will position in an existing market. If you do position an existing market, there's two ways to do that. You're either positioned in the market such that you're saying, you know what, I'm going to own all of it. So that's like saying, I'm CRM for everybody. And right. I'm going to take out Salesforce, <laughs> which sounds nuts because it is nuts. Like no one in right. their right mind would do that. That is a recipe for failure. But if the market is kind of new and emerging and people know what it is, but they don't necessarily know who the leader of that market is, then you do have the opportunity to position and say, you know, we're, we're just we're just that and we're going to be that for everybody. What's more common is where... Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You're the first person. Sorry, I'm, I'm back to my brand set thing. You're the first person who's actually told me I'm allowed to position myself for everybody. I'm calling yeah. myself the brand set bike guy. And I'm saying, actually, this is for everybody. And people keep saying, no, you have to find somebody to aim at people with a problem or, or their brands or whatever. Well, generally, generally, that's by far the easier way to do it. And in fact, the vast majority of people would do that, which is style number two, which is big fish, small pond, where you sort oh. of draw a box go. around it and say, that's, that's, we're just going to be there. So instead of saying, I'm CRM for everybody and I'm trying to take on Salesforce, you say, look, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm CRM for lawyers and I'm just going to be right. that. And then once I dominated that, then I can say, well, maybe I'm CRM for lawyers and accountants. And then maybe I, and then I get a little bigger and get a little bigger and eventually I'll take on Salesforce, but I don't right out of the gate. Now, oh, okay. if I come back to head to head where you say you're going to be for everybody, it's generally where the market is really emerging. And by definition, because the market is still small and emerging, there isn't a leader, but there's only a really niche number of people that actually get what the market is and want it. So the example I used to talk about was smart glasses. Like we know kind of what smart glasses are. Like if I say smart glasses, you're kind of like you think of Google Glass. Not, well, I think about glasses that make me look smart, which is why I wear these. <laughs> See, so you're not probably the target market for smart glasses. <laughs> I'm too old. So, but people that do know what it is go, yeah, yeah, it's like Google Glass, whatever. Yeah, smart glasses. Mm. But, and if I were to ask them then, well, who's the leader in smart glasses? Um, the same people would probably say, well, yeah, you know, Google sort of started that market, but I don't think they really sell those yeah. anymore. And I don't I saw, know who I the saw, leader is for that. I saw Bose had glasses, but it's because they want you to listen to music. And right. so they're not selling glasses. They're selling headphones that have glasses. And too. Snapchat has little glasses and there's a bunch of others. So, so there's a lot of these out here. So, you know, there was a company that was local here in Canada called North and they had raised a spectacular amount of money, like more than $100 million. And they were going to go on and be the smart glasses for everybody. And so they launched stores. They had, if you went to their website, they weren't saying, I'm just smart glasses for lawyers. They're saying, we're just smart glasses for everybody. Um, now, what happened to them is they ended up getting acquired by Google. But it is an example where they were basically saying, if you know what smart glasses are, we're for you. But that's the only time you would ever go and say, I'm for everyone. Most of the time, what you're doing is saying, look, you know, there's lots of other ways to solve this problem. But for this kind of people, this small market of people, I'm the best way to solve it. And so I'm going to position myself as, you know, X for Y right in here. And that is right. how most startups start. 
That is how the vast majority of companies get their initial traction. It is by far the most common way of positioning because it's the easiest one. You can leverage what people already know and say, mm -hmm. well, I know what a CRM is and you're a CRM for lawyers. Okay, I get that. Now, the last dial of, sorry. Yeah, sorry, which is the middle one of these three. I mean, I like this list a lot um, because it, it just makes sense and I can easily put products and, and ideas into the into the three categories and I can see where I fit in. And this makes so much sense. Sorry, you were going to say something I interrupted you. It must have been really important. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just getting to the last one, which is where you say, you know what, my thing is so revolutionary and so new and so amazing that you know, no existing category can contain it. And so instead of saying I'm CRM or CRM for lawyers, I say, I've got an amazing thing and it's a flu flummer. And you're like, you're like, but oh, well, yeah. oh, what? what's a flu flummer? And you're like, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. <laughs> you just sounded like the guy from the cat in the hat. <laughs> you know, the boss of the mother. He's got. A, I think it's something like a flu plumber. He just sounded a bit like Ken. It's Sorry, a flu plumber. Yeah. So that's when you oh, say oh, I'm, I'm going to make up a new thing. Of him, by the way, a lovely version of him because he isn't very nice. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> so anyway, so in this one, you make something up new and you say, you know what, we're not that. We're we're you know whatever, and we do this. This is a and there are examples of companies that have done this. Um, it is probably the most difficult style of positioning, um, and it requires you to have um, big outside investment generally, and right. very patient investors that are willing to wait it out for the five six years that it takes for you to make flu flummer mean something out in the market. Now, what we've seen in the history of Silicon Valley is that most folks that are creating a category don't actually survive to yeah. dominate it. So, you know, there's there's a reason why we're not listening to creative MP3 players or using MySpace or using Ask Jeeves. And all of these companies were eventually beaten by um, smart, fast followers that came in and capitalized on their category creation juice. Right. So we don't generally do the last one, but it can work and there are examples of it, but mainly only if you have a lot of investment and those investors are fairly patient. Okay, makes total sense. I mean, my, my equivalent was always the blues singers. It wasn't the first blues singers who ended up making a big career. It was people like the Rolling Stones um, who who picked it all up and uh, and actually made the big money and made the world domination thing happen. Right. Um Absolutely wonderful. I think that's a great way to end it with the Rolling Stones. I'm just going to put it at the screen to say that's what we were just listening to, How to Nail Product Positioning from April Dunford, and I'll show her wonderful book, um, which I've given a review to, which I haven't read, but I will now. Well, read. thank I you for reviewing, even though you haven't read it. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope you listening. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, April. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to quickly announce... For next week, it's Geraldine DeRuyter, The Prep Fall Effect versus Being Perfect, which I think is going to be absolutely wonderful because I love the idea of the Pratt Fall Effect. Um, and she actually said she'd forgotten that she'd even given that talk in the past. So it's going to be really interesting. She's going to have to come back into this whole thing. Uh, and I like the idea that by having a platform looking a bit stupid, you actually endear yourself to your audience. And I'm looking forward to that greatly. 
This was wonderful, April. This is the, the most wonderful lesson I've had in, in, in how I should be positioning myself. That was Great. absolutely brilliant. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, April. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. And thank you, everyone, for watching. And please do watch another video and subscribe to the channel. See you soon for the next Cali Cube Tuesdays. Bye-bye, April.